0: Come in, Ocean Sailor. Come in, Ocean Sailor. The Ocean Sailor Podcast. Brought to you by Ocean Sailor Magazine and Kraken Yachts.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Ocean Sailor Podcast, episode 11. We're back. We've been off air. You haven't heard us for a while. Um, And Dick Beaumont has been absent without leave. So, Dick, you'd better explain where you've been. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it has been a it's been absolutely manic dick and i i apologize to uh, all the listeners because it, it's been a much longer gap than we intended but to be honest with you um since the uh millennial falcon videos went out um and uh we've other um uh, publicity uh, about kraken yachts uh it's been crazy. I mean, <laughs> the the, the inquir- inquiries, after the Millennial Falcon videos went out, the in- inquiries went, you know, really off the scale. And to be honest, I we couldn't cope. I mean, we got really? that many people. Yeah, it was bizarre, Dick. I mean, we hmm. had people, I had people calling me, um, messaging me, telling me fantastic, great stuff, glad to see somebody's building proper boats and all that. And And, you know... Something had to suffer. And I'm sorry, listeners, but it happened to be the podcast that had to suffer um, be- because we just, I just couldn't find the time. I spent most <laughs> of this time in, uh, in Turkey. So uh, down the
1: hatches. Yeah. Bat-
0: <laughs> Batting down the hatches. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, that interest has still continued, uh, 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 you know, uh, absolutely apace. It would seem that, uh, how can I put it, the Emperor's new clothes brings brings to mind because it suddenly seems that people have realized it doesn't matter whether they're going to sail across an ocean or sail offshore that they, they should be de-risking everything they do in the, in the, in the boats that they buy and uh, and, and it's just been uh, crazy for us so fantastic for us and, and sorry for the listeners but you know we hopefully we'll make it up.
1: No, I was going to say so so we old greybeards then th- those of us who still use use um, quills and ink pots. It's good night, Vienna. And it's over to people, the younger generation, like Trist, with a with the moving image.
0: I yeah? got to tell, I got to tell you, <laughs> I got to tell you, Dick. I well, I'm not a child of the technical age. Neither are you. Um, but to be honest, the the, the volume and the uh, impact and and the traction you'd say of uh, the stuff that we did on the videos has uh, has made made me wonder if. Um, the sailing media doesn't have to change a hell of a lot quicker than it already is, uh, and a move uh, online and indeed on video.
1: Yeah, it's definitely got to grasp of the nettle, and a lot of them haven't done that. I mean, that's been obvious for quite a long time now. When the the mail, the Daily Mail, the the you know the London uh, newspaper. Uh, did grasp the metal of the internet, and its its uh web, its you know online presence is now the I think one of the largest in the world. So they yeah, really it's, it's, there's no that.
0: doubt about it, It's the way the game yeah. is. You know, social media. Oh, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, social media uh, <laughs> yes. has, has offset that <laughs> monstrously, and of course, that's what we're doing here, aren't we, Dickie? You and I are I dragging ourselves really? into the social media um, century.
1: I understand that Dick, you even had an offer of marriage as a result of this film. <laughs> yeah, Is that right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Virtually, anyway. Uh, yeah, it was. You know, uh, no, uh, over a beer, I'll tell you, Dick, and it, it's been really well. It's surprising. It surprised me. I must tell you, it has yeah. really surprised. Not the boats. Not the boats. That, of course, that was the idea from the beginning. But the impact that the media, that the social media has Um, to get the message out yes it's just enormous so i mean the
1: thing is that i was always from the day one and that's why i kind of uh bought the razor blades if you like um thought that the kraken once you described it to me once i really understood what you were driving at i couldn't see how it could fail and i've said this to many people you know, if you're going to get one, if you want a blue water yacht, all right, I would say this now, wouldn't I, sitting here? But I really do mean that. You, why would you, why would you get one from anywhere else? Makes no sense to me. Well, so, no, there you go. no
0: well, that's nice of you to say that, Dick. And, and no, of course, it's horses for courses. We've talked about that before. But yeah, um, anyway, look, you know, let's get on and get uh, Adam right. on air, because you missed out. I've, you were on the missing list yourself when I did the. Uh, the, the follow up podcast with uh, Adam and Kiara, and uh, you know they're a beautiful couple i mean they really are they're really smart, they really know what they're talking about and uh and and, and right on the money you know they they know what they're doing and uh, no, and good. they put it across very well so yeah we i I wanted to to do that as a follow up for all the millennial Falcom stuff, but as i said to you it it's uh uh, you know, the, hel- the whole thing now is a massive ball that uh, is rolling. But have a listen to this, this, this interview, uh, or podcast, I should say, because afterwards I'm going to tell you a few other things, Dick, when about, about other things that have occurred. So um, we'll bring okay, them in. I'll hey?
1: look- yeah, I'd look forward to that. Looking forward to it. Good stuff.
0: So uh, welcome, Adam and Chiara. It's great to see you guys again only a few days of course Hello. yes exactly.
2: yeah.
0: it was very hard i was uh I very begrudgingly
3: came back to our boat i very very much considered stealing sophie marie and uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> making for the furthest latitude possible yeah well she
0: as you can see she's uh just through the window uh saloon window behind me i'm on white dragon at the moment um yeah she she didn't manage to do a very good job of stealing away in the night so i'm pleased to say that but uh, yeah anyway, it's great to have you back on it seems uh things have been a bit hectic uh, you know started off of course with you giving me a call and flying over to the uk and uh yeah it's been it's been pretty bloody cool i must say and it's really nice to see that you're now back on uh, on millie and, and of course as i look behind you I could see some uh sort of styling and finishing that's very familiar to me because <laughs> one of the th- <laughs> one of the amazing coincidences of us all getting together is of course, um the vote after your careful selection pro uh, process that you carried out uh, is in fact a tayana a tayana f- uh forty two Millie, right a canoe stern yeah and um center cockpit yeah, centre cockpit all the all all ticking all the right boxes. And I sailed, prior to having White Dragon, a very, part, a very large part of my sailing life, of course, also on a Tayana. It was a Tayana 58. Um, so, yeah, we've got a great deal in common. The, the, reason, the, the reason I really wanted to talk to you guys in the first place and when you first gave me that call, uh, Adam, is I must confess to being pretty intrigued about how this has come about for you. or or the conclusions that you're heading down and and all the rest of it. Because I must tell you, and I think I did tell you when we were together, uh, in my day and at your age, actually there was stacks and stacks and stacks of good advice, but everybody kind of knew that if you're going to go off and sail around the world, the first thing was you had to have a bomb-proof boat but everybody, everybody knew it. I mean, nobody tried to tell you anything different. Um, but what's intrigued me, as I said, is that now you're in my same age group as I was back then, but now 40 years move for, further forward or so, <laughs> maybe or so. And, <laughs> you know, I know that the advice and the information around you is really quite the opposite. It's, no, no, that'll be okay. It's got a bolt on keel and it's got an unprotected rudder. But no, no, go on. You know, everybody does this. And and yes, it's still a blue water boat. And, and I'm intrigued to, to know how you filtered through what I'm going to say and be explicit about was all the bloody bullshit and how you actually wound up. <laughs> coming to the right, you know, how, you know how it is with me, I'm going to tell you how it is, that's a, <laughs> and, and, and it is dreadful I bullshit, I up
2: on that, no, <laughs> it is, yeah,
0: and so how did, how did you filter through all of the, you know, misinformation, and the sales pitches, and the rubbish that's talked, how did you actually then, you know, find that all down, and massively, massively uh, to your... Uh, uh, to your credit, you actually made the right choices, and I think it's half of a miracle. I honestly do think it's half a miracle.
2: Well, I think to be honest, we were we knew that we had to go secondhand. So straight off the bat, sales pitches at boat shows just were not for us. No. We couldn't go there and afford a brand new boat. So we were like, okay, what research can we do online? Um, so and we missed a
3: whole bunch of the misinformation. I guess yes. you yeah, I would, would guess otherwise you did. be fed. Yeah. So we, we were coming at it from perhaps a, a less skewed position than, than people with a much larger
2: bank balance. But in saying all that, our first boat that we really, really liked, and this was about a year to us even leaving, we fell in love with, was like a Hunter 39. And we fell in love with it because, <coughs> oh. And oh. you know, just looking at the ads, <laughs> oh, I know, oh, yeah <laughs> because it was like, oh, so wide. And look how many, and look how many beds there are. And oh, the bathroom is so white and oh, it's so lovely. And then I think after a little while of us being in love with this boat, we started to obviously go Actually past the pictures and look at the reviews and look at everything that was saying about it. And I think that's where we started to learn about what some boats are capable for and, and what some boats aren't.
3: And that plays right into my wheelhouse because I was, you know, we... Much to the much to the dismay of our previous employers, we did spend a fair bit of time at work looking for
0: boats. Prior, well, to... well, uh, yeah, any, uh, yeah, and notice. of course, and of course, here you go, uh, Adam. I I think you know what's given you for. Uh, must have been a terrific amount of uh, uh, of a leg up and uh, and a head start on this quest. Is, of course, your background is in aero engineering, aerospace engineering. So, yeah. you know, you know that if it looks like it break, it will break, it probably will break. <laughs> and uh, and you don't have to perhaps you didn't did that help?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So that's sort of so we initially just started looking at a, at a very surface level and we came up with all these you know, I would send Kiara anything from a tall ship to a, a hunter 38. Um but then we really started drilling down and and you know, as what I used to do for as an aerospace engineer was fatigue assessments and damage tolerance for military helicopters and what one of the major things for about airplanes and and it's mostly because of weight and fuel balancing and, and whatnot is that all aircraft are built with a mission profile in mind maybe a couple if they're a real versatile platform um and so I sort of, I was hyper aware of the compromises that need to be made when you're trying to satisfy a mission profile, that you just can't have everything. And then on top of that, all of that is sort of compounded by, you know, how different structures come together and, and what what would be considered strong and what would be considered not strong. And, and one of the things that is huge, particularly in... Um, And you'll have to stop me if anyone's eyes start to glaze over, but in helicopters because they do so many fatigue cycles, um, there's a concept called safe life and fail safe and I sort of approached my boat selection criteria with that in mind and when they say safe life, they mean uh, a certain amount of cycles to failure and then when you say fail safe, what they mean is it will fail in a safe way. And that's essentially redundancy, or some, you know, or but making it so strong that it will just never fail. Um, and uh, and you, you know, there's the whole reason I had a job as an aerospace engineer is because some parts that are particularly critical, due to certain constraints, you just can't make them fail safe, and so you must have a safe life, and they must have an inspection interval, and so on and so forth. And a lot of the parts of of a lot of the boats that we were looking at, I, I would I would look at them and I'd say, there's just there's just no way that a boat put together the way it has been put together, at our price range for the and at these at these ages, are going to be reasonable for me. I'm going to need to rip them apart and check all these bits and basically, even though it looks great, it just I don't think it
0: will be. Which brought us to the 40 year old designs, which were fail safe. I I mean I think you just touched on something quite significant there because. Um, you know the I spent quite a lot of time thinking about how um, the boat industry has developed to where it is today, how designs move from what was to what is uh, and you know there's a there's a point in time that suddenly there was a cataclysmic change in boat building, which was about thirty five forty years ago nineteen eighty one i can be fairly precise i saw the first
2: very specific
0: yeah well i was i was almost finishing i'd almost finished my first uh boat which was uh a uh, steel endurance uh steel 35 foot endurance called corsa and i'd almost finished building that and there was and this day you know because things are different in 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 those days not many people really bought a boat went to a boat show oh, i don't even think it was probably earl's court boat show but Not really anywhere else, and everybody else that were really people that wanted to go off sailing around the world, actually at that time were your age was my age at the time thirty odd, and uh, they you know obviously didn't have the same budget, and so we were there was about five boats in a quite a small yard in Canvey Island, Essex, Um, and there was about five guys building their boats to bugger off and sail around the world. And one day, this, as I say, I was right towards the end of the build of uh, Corsa. Um, the, the, there was a trailer came in with a Saddler 29 on it. And uh, the Saddler 29 had, the, I think it was, it may have been the first, I don't know, but it certainly had the first bolt on kill that I'd ever seen. And literally, <laughs> literally, people the five of us that were building boats kind of whistled up amongst ourselves didn't have mobile phones of course whistled up amongst ourselves and said christ you should see what's just come in the yard you know and we all we all went down and stood at the bottom of this boat at the bottom of this boat still on the trailer And looked up at this you know tiny thin keel which was bolted on with a very exposed rudder and everybody just shook their head and went, Oh, Christ, where are you gonna go in that? That's no bloody good. You know, and and we really did all shake our heads and go back on our boats going silly ass, you know? And, <laughs> who's gonna go off in that?
2: Little did you know in the next few years. Little
0: yeah. did I know this was the forerunner to completely change the whole marine industry. And from there, because of the development of production boats, what, what essentially in a in a sort of automotive production line style, little did we know that uh, that was going to change the whole world. And the big names that we knew, and we just, you know, you, you know, I used to dream, oh, you know, wouldn't it be good if I didn't have to buy my own boat, build my own boat? I could maybe buy a Rival thirty-two or a Nicholson thirty-two, or you know, or, or a Contessa or a Bowman or a, you know, there was dozens of boats you could buy, but, and they all had the same stamp. And then this, this thing turns up, and it's kind of, you know, just, just honestly, I know it sounds bizarre, but it was considered to be a joke at that time, really a joke. You're not yeah. going to go anywhere in that. And, and everybody agreed. But, you know, and now you fast forward 40 years to your time of coming to do and make those selections, and, yeah. and, then you go and everybody you go and talk to is going to tell you, oh, no, that's quite fine. And so, you know, I mean, it's very intriguing to me. I, I, and, and as I said to you, I've already said to you, you know, credit to you guys for, for sifting through all the nonsense and, and coming up with a very sound boat built by Taeyang in Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> and I found Taeyang. This is interesting, I think, to you. I found Taeyang because I had decided I'd sold my uh, yacht Corsa several years before and got ensconced and buried in you know business life and family life and it was now I was getting to the age of uh, I was 50 uh, getting to the age where hey I might be able to get away and do some proper sailing again and um and so I started to look at the kind of boats that uh, I could buy and uh, I was doing all right in business and and, and budget wasn't really the issue but I started looking at all these boats, names that I knew, big names that I knew, that everybody's still familiar with t- today in some areas, uh, and, ah, yeah. oh, hang on a minute, it's got a bolt-on-kill. Ah, oh, it's got blade-hung rudders. Ah, oh, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. That doesn't mm. work. That doesn't work. <laughs> all I'm thinking about is this yeah. is a bigger version of that Saddler 29 I saw <laughs> 30, 40 years ago, And and I... She immediately discounted all of those and thought right i've got to try and find a boat that ticks the boxes and i found it by researching and reading a magazine write-up i'm going to say it Say it was sail magazine and they had a review of 50 foot boat best-selling 50 foot boats in america and i knew all of them except number three which was tayana And I was as Far East... It was only at number three? It was... (laughs) Yeah, it was, yeah. And I was was a a China trader by this time. You know, I wasn't going to Taiwan very often on business, but I was in China and Mm. Hong Kong quite often. So I thought, well, I'll go there. And I went there, and to my complete amazement, there was exactly the boat I was looking for, with, of course, (laughs) same as yours, integral keel, full skeg rudder, built like a a brick um, something house, and, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, off we went, and I sailed 150,000 miles in that boat, or more than that, actually, and it was yeah. fantastic, a fantastic But It never let me down once. It was never yeah. a time, and I, you know, you've done now, I know you're at the beginning of your sailing sort of careers and stuff, um, and you've you've been across the pond already and done a fair bit, but as time goes on, you're going to run into those bad situations that, uh, you know, you wish you'd forecast differently or whatever and seen that shot come in or whatever. And have already a few of them. <laughs> yeah, you have had quite a lot of them, actually. Things are going wrong, haven't you? And, and, but the Tayana 58, Moonshadow, I called her, uh, never missed a beat, nice never time. let me down once. And, and I yeah. never had to be fearful that she was going to let me down that's quite and i you know i the thing i've i tell people now when we're talking to them uh, about crackers is you just explain to me how you can enjoy yourself when you're frightened because you can't can you it's not possible you know you can have that sort of silly oh yeah i'm having fun face (laughs) (laughs) i am under duress (laughs) yeah (laughs)
2: yeah i was gonna say uh, when we first bought our boat as well it was nice knowing that we were complete and utter newbies at this we were complete learners but it, we knew that the boat could handle so much more than us and whatever us newbies would throw at it she would almost compensate for that and and do the right thing mm. and as us it, it really helped us i and think she did yeah like she we could grow into so it
0: yeah well jo- uh, does, uh john john, john kretschmer who's of course our common friend um yeah. was you know he he did uh he wrote an article I was actually interviewed by Dick Durham who by the way I must just apologize oh. uh he's he's gone off sailing so um, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not i'm That's not I'm not sure reason. we won't begrudge we're, him that no I'm, not, no I'm not i'm not sure i should say this but you'll have to put up with one dick instead of two <laughs> <laughs> but, what are you gonna say
2: when uh, when you the interview with these guys oh yeah
3: i know dick i know dick likes a good pun yeah. and i was listening to one of your podcasts and and uh and it occurred to me that, you know, the, like a dog with two tails, well, yeah. I'm as happy as a sailor with two dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's nice to know.
0: Yeah, well, he's not here. He's gone on sailing. Um, and, and, we can't, and, and we can't knock him for that. But, um, yeah, I know where we not. Oh, you yeah, were talking about John. Anyway, Dick uh, interviewed John. And John said, you know, what you need is a boat that you don't have to micromanage. She'll look after herself. Yeah. And, you know, here, here's yeah. the... It, you know, the bit that you undoubtedly discovered, and you could go back to the sailors of old and find out whatever has happened in this world, the sea ain't changed. <laughs> yeah.
2: And in fact, if anything, in, in fact, the storms from all have accounts, got bigger. It's getting worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's getting worse. Yeah. I, just, yeah, I was just you need saying to be that. more
3: prepared than ever.
2: Yeah. I yeah. mean, how many times in the last five years has the next hurricane season gotten worse? You know, it's always like, oh, this hurricane season is going to be worse than last year and everyone's like, oh, goodness me. And the next year comes along and they say the same thing and you're like, bloody hell. So we've been sailing around the Caribbean for too long. We've been calling it hurricane season.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, actually, it's probably a bit of an aside to what we're generally talking about. But one I've noticed over my lifetime of sailing that the the seasons have changed and expanded. Yes, the storms have got Uh, more violent, but at the same stage, also the uh, typhoon seasons, the disturbed season, Mm. uh, which is always the summer season, has has actually got uh, longer and more unreliable Mm. too. Because, you know, when I was first sailing the South South China Seas 30-odd years ago, you knew that the uh, northeast monsoon was going to start somewhere around about 7th to 14th of October. And you knew...
2: That was, accurate? Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh. And you knew that the south-east um, monsoon, which is the disturbed one where you've got lots more disturbance coming in, you knew that was going to start somewhere around about the 7th to the 20th, maybe, of April. But now you've got so many more occurrences happening outside the season. You know, I mean, people laughingly yeah. joke and say, oh, well, you know, <clears throat> the typhoon hasn't read the book. I mean, that's so true. You know, I've been caught a couple of times in the South China Sea with forming typhoons um, that are right out of season. Uh, and of course, you know, it's just the way the world's going. So. Coming back yeah. to your point there, Chiara, yeah. you know, yeah, you need you you need a boat that's well prepared. Yeah. Yes, but see, you're all missing
3: one thing. We can all outrun the weather these days, ah. so it doesn't matter. Oh yeah,
0: it doesn't oh, matter. Yeah. We can all outrun the weather, so it's it's so this is all a moot point. <laughs> well, let's just tell the listeners let's just, let's just tell the listeners where that little one came came from because we were laughing about yeah. it over several beers, of course. Where that one came from is, uh, uh, <laughs> I was at a Sydney boat show, and I'd been talking to a guy that was very interested in buying a boat, and he came over to Sydney boat show, it was a Kiwi, and uh, and he called me up and he says, hey Dick, you know, you're at the show, so I said, yeah, yeah, I am, I've. he said, oh, I've got to come and see you, and <laughs> I won't go through the whole thing, because the podcast will be half gone, but. Uh, and he said, "Ah, <laughs> oh, he's just been told, he just asked, uh, 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 I don't know if I should say the word Geno. You know. Oh, I have. And <laughs> he, oh, dear. <laughs> and, and, and he asked the Geno salesman if the Geno 54 he was looking at would would be okay in heavy weather. And the guy, to cut a long story short, said, you'll never know, sir, because this boat is so fast, she'll outrun the weather. And that's what you picked up on it, right? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, this is criminal, really, isn't it? You know, this is that this to is me really is good. like
3: a soldier running into battle with no body armor and going, "It's okay, guys. I have really fast reflexes. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it's
0: ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So, so listen, you, you've now you've now started banging this drum, uh, which is trying to educate people into the kind of boat that they really need for blue water. You, you. I think you said before the uh, YouTube video you did with John Kay. You said that uh, that was really your biggest hit, wasn't it, uh, guys?
3: Uh yeah, second for sure. Yeah, the the how much does it cost? One was number one, but that was a close second. And you know, and I think that what was the
2: title? Uh,
3: what really makes a blue water cruiser with John Krishman? And you yes. know, I think that's a question. So to answer the larger question is, is our quest I suppose and we've put ourselves in a delicate position because we you know we've been doing this for five years now um, but and we've just crossed our first ocean and we've only owned one boat so it's I and we're not you know we're 30 32 and 33 so we can't come and throw our weight around because the the obvious defense is well what would you know but and also I don't want to just go around, even if I had any weight to throw around, I, I don't want to go around and, and start ramming things down people's throats saying, this. your boats are wrong, you can't... What what, I, what my goal is, is to is to be a conduit through which I can distill information and wisdom from people like John and like yourself and anyone who will sit down and talk to me and distill the common theme down and put it out to as many people as possible because that is in my mind the anti-boat show that's how you take you know all that salesman malarkey and you combat it with real world wisdom and real experience that is timeless and like you said the ocean hasn't changed so we that's my mission is to try and get the the truth you know like the the true wisdom from those who would know out there who have no agenda who have nothing to gain by saying no you want this boat not that boat or that boat not this boat it's just experience, true experience, uh, and you know a lot of these mm. people they don't have YouTube channels and they don't want to make videos, and so it's my job to go and sniff them out, sit down with them, and I feel like if I do that enough, I can, I can give people enough enough examples of a common theme that they will eventually go to the boat show guy, <laughs> and somebody one day will turn around and say, "I don't believe you, prove it." Yeah. And he will have to go, and he will just have no idea
0: yeah, I mean of course one of the one of the problems that I run into uh, and now constantly <laughs> didn 't didn 't run into the problem before I started cracking yachts, so I, was, I had the same message going on then, but is that people think that I have got um, an ulterior motive, which is to sell uh, cracking and yachts and of course i do want to sell crack and yachts as why i started the company but actually that's yeah for me that's not that's not the crack i we just reached dick and i just recently wrote an article and it's in is another interesting point here because um you're uh, just give me the age of millie will you and tell me how old she is uh, She's she's
2: from, she's from 1981 so she's exactly 40 years old <laughs>
0: She might have been built the same year as I saw that Saddler 29, might not she? I she would have yeah. been, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was the same year. Yeah. That. But, um, <laughs> the, the, yeah, I, the, we recently did an article. Um, a, a lady had written into Ocean Sailor and said, look, you know, I, I think the boats are fantastic, but being straight, I, my budget doesn't run to that. And, and what's your advice for a boat, you know, that we could buy? And Dick and I both agreed this, and obviously uh, you've elucidated that point even more, because uh, we, we sat down, Dick and I, and said, well, unfortunately, you've got to go back a minimum of 30 years to find the kind of mm-hmm. boat that you really want. And you did, and it yeah. was four years ago. So it wasn't our yeah. imagination, <laughs> was it? Um, and, no, and, exactly.
2: And, and all uh, the boats that we looked at as well were all around that age, that era. Well, they would be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they would be. You know, what What kind of happened back then, uh, a boat that won races was also a good blue water cruising boat. Um, and that's just, and people weren't buying boats to win races. That wasn't, there wasn't even mm. that racing industry. Yeah, sure, there was the America's mm-hmm. Cup and J class for the super wealthy. But the rest, of, the rest of the sailing fraternity were going and doing the fast knit or going and doing uh, Sydney to Hobart or the Bermuda Race or mm-hmm. something else. They were going and doing <clears> that in the boats they were regularly sailing. But then money got in the way, really. And super wealthy guys wanted to start getting designers on board and uh, building in uh, super light composites. Uh, and having boats built really it sounds unbelievable but you know it's going on even now uh building boats that cost a for- fortune to build to win one race and hey yeah, it all suddenly crazy. started to change and you know the obviously that costs the boat builders the names i mentioned a little while ago a large part of their sales and before you know where you mm. are the whole the whole industry has, has diverged and. Racing boats had gone off uh, in one direction and, then, and cruising boats stayed in another. But of course, then, then you've got the next phase, which is, and it was only, I'm going to guess it was, oh, it was two or three years after that divergence first started. I'm going to say that people started spending big money at, uh, to win races, probably around about maybe 1976, 77, 78, somewhere about there. Not many people. Yeah. and It was That's a long good. time ago. Um, but they were the first people doing it. And uh, not long after that, of course, which we've discussed, you got the body blow to the industry of the production boat suddenly arise on the scene. And then they started to create a great attrition in the sales for the bigger, you know, for the names that we've just been talking about. And then there was this invention, um, and I don't know why, you know, why you didn't buy a boat that, was, that could do all of these things, performance cruiser, they call it, and, <laughs> or racer cruiser. It was called a racer cruiser first off, and then it became this yep. uh, performance cruiser and the boat for all answers. I bet you got a bit of a view on those, have how- I mean, you?
2: How, but how did Blue Water get involved? Like, How did crossing well, that's the, oceans... that's
3: the part that rubs me out the wrong way is because like this, the Performance Cruiser for its mission profile is a wonderful boat. It's a beautiful machine. Absolutely. Why did they need to go and take a, a, a whole different thing and, and, and take... It's like they're just collecting all the badges they can get, slapping it on a, a boat that was built for charter and, and jacking up the price tag with no apparent change in design. That's uh, what really well rubs me uh, that uh, actually.
0: Well, two things happened. <laughs> Why is because of accountants, hmm. and the companies uh. that are in these fields need more and more sales, more and more profits. You know, growth as a, as a as a species, we're we're transfixed with this whole idea that we have got to grow. Suddenly, you know, we're not ever Even satisfied. More. Yeah, yeah, more, 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 and so. Um, they needed a bigger slice of the market. But something else happened at the same time, which is a bit of a touchy old subject. Uh, and uh, I can refer people to uh, the article, that uh, back to the article that uh, John did with Dick Durham, because he uh, has been very bold. And, and what happened is the big names that you're going to associate with Blue Water Cruising historically, uh, decided, ah, actually we're losing a bit too much market and we need to start building boats for more of a mass market. So what I don't think, I don't think the production boat companies started going after the Blue Water tag first, they do now of course, but I think what actually happened is the Blue Water boat builders, names that are on the very tip of my tongue but i don't think i'll mention they decided they wanted they wanted to be performance cruisers and suddenly Mm -hmm. that gives them 50 60 70 boats a year they can build uh instead of yeah you know and, and and steal some of the thunder back from the production boats and as john put it what they wound what that brought about was the advent of a luxury production boat. And that's really, yeah. in my view, all it was. Okay. And, and of course, you know, you've then got the thing going on, which is, you know, first question anybody asks is, oh, yeah, nice. How many bursts has it got? And it's all the wrong mm. questions. And you know straight away, <laughs>
2: know.
3: you know, you're
0: lost. And that's something obviously you've been fighting against. Yeah. Well, it's, you
3: know, we get a lot of grief time I, I put my foot out, put my neck out. On this subject, we, we always cop flak. What would you know? Blah, blah, blah. And the, the mo- one of the most common fallback answers is that there's no perfect boat. for you know There's no perfect boat. And I think that almost proved, you know, that's a defense that other people put back on me. And I say, well, I'm not trying to find the perfect boat. I'm trying to find what really makes a blue water boat. And yet, what the designers seem to be doing is everyone is chasing down to a single point, this performance mm. cruiser, and saying that it can do everything, mm. which is kind of all a bit arsey-versy to me because what they're telling me that I'm doing is exactly what's happening and I'm trying to avoid. I'm trying to take one very specific mission profile for a boat, ocean voyaging, blue water cruising, mm. and say, let's keep it in the lines, fellas. Let's keep this what it is. Let's not go and try to just be the best at everything. Like, you can have. You can have your performance cruises You can have them. You can sleep 12 people. You know, we're going out with John next week or 2 weeks time. We're going out with John in 2 weeks time on a Beneteau 50, five double berths. I mean, that's
2: five berths. You know,
3: we're only going to just poodle down the In, end. A, in, in a, a 50, in a 50, right?
2: It's going to be 10 people five. aboard. Ooh, yeah.
0: take Ten your people,
1: so. <laughs> Yeah, right? <laughs>
3: So I'm a for
2: Charlie, we're already bumping up against each other. How are you going to do that one underway? It's be people gonna, five people are going to have to go downstairs. Five people in the cockpit who are sailing. Oh, I didn't know it. had How gone. going to work.
0: Blimey, ten.
3: <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> for poodling down the Amalfi, though, that's kind of that's that's yeah. kind of fine. As long as you Absolutely. stay in your lane, you can have what you want. Just don't slap a million two price tag on it and tell me I can go around the horn in it.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. That's what, my, that's what I'm, rubs me out the wrong you're, way. You're dead right, and, and I'd just like to reiterate that point as well, because when the <laughs> first time I ever met Dick Durham, bless his cotton socks, is that uh, he called me up and said he'd got a mouth shot from me and wanted to do an interview with a YouTube channel that uh, uh, he was uh, also doing some stuff for, which is My Classic Boat. And he said, I, I'd like to interview you um, down at Southampton. I, oh, bloody hell. I, did, I didn't realise at the time he lived about three miles from me. So we, we both trolled off to <laughs> Southampton. We could have walked around the corner as it turned out. Um, anyway, we got <laughs> You're down You were probably driving
2: sa- behind each other on the yeah.
0: way. <laughs> yeah, we, we got down to Southampton and he's a clever little uh, person. And, and he, set the, <laughs> he, he set the camera up on a sort of a bluff. And he's a terrier, you know, Dick, because he's, a, he's an ex-Fleet Street journalist. And he's like a dog with a bone, you know, and it's great. And, and, and he's trying to get a story. So he, I think I'm going down there to all be, you know, told how great and how clever I am and all that stuff. And isn't this all wonderful? <laughs> um, and he, he, he drew me uh, and tried to draw me straight onto a landmine. Um, And uh, so he said, oh, yes, I've been hearing about, you know, this uh, zero kill and da-da-da-da-da and, you know, kill can never come off. And then he stopped. He got all this choreographed and he waved his arms around like this. He said, so you're telling me all of the 1,500 boats that we can see from here are not fit for purpose. And
2: luckily for me,
0: a little bit of inspiration came in and I said, tell me the purpose and he exactly. said yeah. good yeah. point yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. and i said listen i'm not knocking any of those boats but it's yeah. fantastic because they brought loads and loads of people into boating and yachting that could never have got into it yeah. otherwise because of prices and everything um and for you know whizzing across the channel and for a couple of weeks holiday or zooming around the mediterranean yeah absolutely can't get you can't get me to criticize that but as you quite rightly said if you start saying that that's the same boat that can start to cross oceans actually now i'm going to disagree with you seriously and obviously that's uh, that's where you're coming from as well it would seem
2: yeah, yeah. And, and it
3: goes both ways you know my boat like we're we're just crossed the pond for the first time and it's sort of you know it's not like the caribbean where the anchorages are everywhere and and for marinas this boat's a pain in the ass like it's hard It doesn't back up in a straight line. I haven't got a bow thruster. Like, it's seriously stressful to try and come in and maneuver this thing. So that's, you know, it's horses for courses. If you want to poodle around marinas and stay on the coast, well, don't have a boat like this. Get something that'll turn on a dime, back up in a straight line and can sleep 100 people. That's totally fine. My point is every boat has their ups and their downs, you know. blue You have to make compromises to be a blue water boat too, like you're not going to be racing around pins very quickly and all of those kind of things, but we all know that. Nobody buys a blue water boat and takes it out
0: for a, a river racing weekend well, or
3: something, they, you know, it's yeah, for, the, for the profile, for the mission profile.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, the first question I, I ask everybody that we talk to is tell me what you want to do with your boat. And mm. if, yeah, if, 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 if they want to, you know, have a boat around the Med and go off on holiday, yeah, they might want a Kraken yacht. It's a nicely built boat and it's very luxurious. But they don't, yeah, look, I've got to be honest, they don't need a Kraken yacht for that. If you're going to go mm. off and sail across the Atlantic or the Pacific or the South China Seas or, or, or up into the high latitudes, yeah, you're gonna need a boat that's not gonna let you down and, and that's obviously why I founded the company. And we don't we won't build anything else. If it we're we're not into yeah. building, you know, and I've had course loads of nutty ideas and people telling me, Oh, you know, they, they you know, they, they want to change the entire design and lay out the boat and I must admit I've never heard anybody ask for ten berths in, in a in a fifty, but I have heard Uh, I had one guy that wanted 10 berths in a 58. And I just said, You're just never going to have the storage capacity that you Mm -hmm. need to go blue water cruising. And, you know, he wouldn't have it. And then he wanted to. All the 10 people
2: to even visit. So many people think that all these family members are going to come visit. And it's just not the case. We've (laughs) had two people at every time to come and visit, which is great because we have a V berth to fit two more people. That's it. And yeah. now I'm perfectly happy with that. But I mean, as, as you said before, like you knew that you wanted a boat to, also oh, you built Kraken to kind of go across oceans. And while it can do that, sorry, and while it can poodle around the med, um, you know, you built it to be more hardcore than that and, and cross oceans. And I think the reason why we bought this boat, even though we, we have just been in the Caribbean for three years, we knew that we wanted to go far and wide with it. That was our main aim mm. when, we, you know, when we were back in Melbourne and we were thinking, oh, where do we wanna go? Everywhere. So mm. we knew that we had to get a boat to do that even mm. though our first few years were just in in like cruising grounds that that were pretty benign
3: see this is why i like the kraken and i'm not blowing smoke up you but this is why i <laughs> no, you on, do you guys do, do do it's good, it's good. please please <laughs> tell me more <laughs> you can put my commission in the mail um, no well, this is why i saw you guys out because uh, as i said before like where you know they were they these you know the fictitious enemy here would have us all believe that boats are culminating to a single point that is perfection and it's not but we can get better within our lane and that's why i like the Kraken is because it is very unapologetically built for one thing
2: very and it's true.
3: taken what everything i love about this boat and all the criteria that i had for my mission profile and brought it forward brought it to the 21st century with new technology new materials and all these things that you know that 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 you should get for for a new a brand new boat in this day and age. You know, that's why I love it, and you can't well, find thanks. that anymore. What that's instead you it. get is you get them saying, "Ah, oh, no, no, no! What you think you want is not right. What you think you want you is not right. Actually, these days we can outrun the weather, and a, b- a boat made of waste for biscuits at the same time <laughs> with two
0: hundred beds is suitable." Do you know, something You might also have spotted about what's going on as well, and again, I'm thinking about the brands that have been associated with blue water cruising that in my view have now sold their soul uh and started to do nutty things like you know twin rudders and and all the rest of it well they're coming up with with what are so ludicrous gimmicks to try and convince people there's still blue water yachts i mean you know a, a cabin door that is supposed to be uh, waterproof, sealed when you shut it in the aft cabin. <laughs> oh, yeah, great. Okay. Well, first off, then they're missing out a bit. There's got to be a whole another process. It's not just shutting the door, believe it or not. Yeah. But you know, do somebody cut
2: that with like the the it, yeah, thing of the bars a, and the
0: yeah. Well, there's a process. So now you're only really watertight in that cabin if you lock somebody in it. I mean, great, you know. Oh, let me out! Let me out! You know. What? What's, and if and you k- try and conceive how a boat is going to be punctured in the, that mm. half cabin or midship, I've seen boats sink by the bow. I've seen seen boats sink by the stern. I'm imagining they must, at very least, have watertight bulkheads, full watertight bulkheads fore and aft. So. So you know. so why are you trying to put a gimmick like a water door amidships? Was it achieve? And, and then you know, peepholes in your hull that you can see the propeller and see if there's something stuck round it. I mean, come on, it's a gimmick, isn't it? I mean, I'm not having I to don't go. Know what boat you're talking about? I'm in. I'm lost. I
2: have
0: no, I have no <laughs> idea what boat this is. We 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 know which boats we're talking about, and I'm not even trying to look. People could go and find that out for themselves. What I'm against is the there smoke and mirrors, telling like people, yeah. you know, telling people, "Hey, look, yeah, this is a cruising boat, a blue water cruising boat, and it's got twin blade rudders that will smash into everything that's out of line with the keel." And and mm-hmm. gimmick after gimmick after gimmick, and I feel poor mugs are believing it. I mean, actually, we head into another soapbox of mine. I must tell you guys we've just won a terrific victory because I've been well I've been bashing on for several years through Ocean Sailor and before that about how culpable the RCD category A ocean certification oh, yeah. is how dreadfully misleading it is and 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 how the European Commission that have got it in place really have got thing to answer because the the criteria that is ruled by is false eight winds and four meter seas well good luck because you aren't going to cross an ocean well you might get one or two lucky crossings, but you're just that's not going to happen as a normal thing and then you get force eight
2: yeah. yeah i was well, going
0: to say course. we've
2: hit like force eight in the caribbean that's
0: a normal day in the caribbean yeah, yeah. It's, it's not, wind, it's not windy is January. it and to say no. that that's the criteria and then put the word ocean. But the win is, after all this pressure, they haven't done what I wanted them to do, which is bring in, we can call it a category A star or something, for boats that really, really are built to take it. What they have done, which I consider a victory, is they've dropped the word ocean.
2: Oh, that's fantastic. And and this is
0: going to help your cause, and this is why I want to encourage you to carry on banging the drum that you're banging, because... Uh, by the fact that now people can't go along and simply rely on a European Commission to tell them what boat they should buy, actually now they've yeah. got to start thinking about it, and people like yeah. you is going to help. And, and well okay. done, guys. Did you, they
3: rationalise why they did that? Like, did they no when way. they announced the change? Did they say like, oh, we can't say ocean anymore because that <laughs> puts us in a, a legal nightmare where we might be culpable or something?
0: No, of course they just slid it under the radar yeah, and suddenly. Suddenly, the word how "ocean" you try to is define missing. an ocean. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You can't yeah.
2: define what an ocean is going to be like. You can't.
0: <laughs> what needs to be high? The bar needs to be bloody high. Yeah, you can get in as much trouble in a sea as an ocean, really. And I mean, so, but anyway, That's at least it's not telling people, "Hey," which yeah. I know yeah. it did tell people, "Hey, you can sail around the world in this boat." I mean, uh, I knocked on to you. Yeah. Uh, a video that we've both just watched, which oh, was sent. Yeah. Which was sent. Was to, me, to bring that up. Yeah, again. was sent to me by the owner uh, of uh, the Kraken 004 that's in build here now, and he sent me that. I must admit, I just woo. And you should link it below. <laughs> that, yeah, well, yeah. Let's do <laughs> that. Uh, we, we We'll put a link on there so people can see what we're particularly talking about. But it's out there as a YouTube video. And it's a lagoon cat, fifty, I think. And you know, it's obviously breaking up. You can oh, see no. the gaps opening up in I the, know. The joinery's coming <laughs> apart. And it was going downwind. I mean woo-hoo! It wasn't even that bad was of it? a day. So it was dead. Da- honestly, honestly, girl, <laughs> that was that was downwind and the thing oh, is no. moaning like a herd of cattle. And I mean, Jesus. Oh, and and, no. and
2: I mean it
3: wasn't even that bad. He put no. a camera down in that video. He put it down on the floor and it, it stayed where it was. So it can't have been that bad outside, you know? Like when it's really yeah. pumping, the boat's going to be like rocking and rolling. Nothing's going to stay where you put it, even on a cat. It yeah. can't have been
0: that bad. So imagine when it's like condition. three times that. And yet, that. That, cat, that cat Moran, still today, everyone that's being built is going to be RCD Category A. You tell me. I mean, this that's is... A thanks this for is, coming, Badge. Yeah, yeah, That's you know, insane. it's it's it, it's just wrong. I mean, it is. I do, you know. Never mind about oh. cracking yachts or anything else. Just you know, if you did that in a car, yeah. in the car industry, how would you get on? You know, And yeah. the car, you know, call if it you an said, off-roader. Yeah, go
2: up mountains. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: you you've well, got like you got an off-roader. Said when sit down to talk. You could cross the desert in a Fiat, but you'd take the Land Cruiser. <laughs> well, yeah. like it's you know, like we all yeah. know. <laughs>
1: Well, I have to say I found that enlightening, Dick. You know, the strange thing is for me is that he's a young man, Adam, and he's done a lot of sailing, uh, a lot of offshore sailing. Uh, uh, and he is a, a chap that would have come across the modern type of boat, the sort of boats that we say perhaps aren't the right ones for doing blue water sailing, uh, and he is dismissing them. So so it isn't just us. It isn't just us No, because we're behind Kraken this guy uh, has made his own mind up uh, and uh, has reinforced the message. And I think, Yeah, that's both quite, of um, them,
0: Dick. You know, both Adam and Chiara, they, yeah. they're out there banging the drum on a message that you and I, you know, irrespective of Kraken, uh, that I really sure. and I know you really believe is, is an important one because in, in our view and, and as you've just heard, I certainly believe that the marine industry or the yacht building modern yacht building industry has somehow derailed itself and gone off in a path that uh, you know is uh, not sufficient for the kind of sailing that you know we've often talked about blue water cruising oh. and world cruising but you know I tell you what Dick he's trying hard this guy and 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 fair fair play to him and and I hope people do appreciate how uh, you know how he's trying to you know basically spread the word and and give the benefit to sometimes people as you've just put the nail on the head that sometimes a lot more experienced than Adam and Kiara d- ha- are but if, but actually he's put a lot of thought into it what is yeah. what I'm going to tell you is what is particularly aggravating is to hear the complete and utter denial of the bloody obvious that is still being bantered about out there. And I'm going to tell yeah. you, Dick, have a listen to uh, a podcast that was done by a guy called Andy Shell. if you've heard of him. I uh, have,
1: yes, yes. And, yes we uh, have dealt with him. Yeah, It's, yes. it's
0: called, it, they call the podcast On The Wind. And, right. it, and essentially it was around the table, Debate and I know this because I've spoken to Adam since. I, I was furious when I heard it, I must tell you. I felt that they were very frustrated. Uh, and, and, and to me, as a listener, every time they tried to, to make a very salient point, um, they were either cut off or talked over. Um, oh, really? and uh, you know, which, which didn't really win the point for me. You know, obviously, the person that controls the mic uh and uh you know is is in in control but if you're going to have an open uh discussion and a round table discussion it it it, it seems to me it behoves uh, the uh host to allow their guests to speak properly and i don't feel that that is, is what happened adam might disagree but that's my feeling Oh, really it was outrageous because the tenor of the argument this is i'll put this to you the tenor of the argument is that since there is no recorded uh, uh, percentage that's been calculated of kills that are coming off of yachts uh, and compared to yacht, yachts that are, are, um, are having safe packet passages, but because there's no actual compiled log of that, we know there's a compiled log of yachts coming off of racing boats as over 90, right, Dick? You did, you did that study.
1: We did. It, it appeared in, in one, an early Ocean Sailor
0: magazine, yeah. if you're a member. That was world, the, body, the world sailing yeah. body. But, but his argument, yeah. unbelievable, is because nobody has compared the yachts that have had accidents to the yachts that have had safe passages with boat on kills. therefore it doesn't exist. <laughs> and I'll tell you it's, what, you, you won't get your breath. Honestly, no. I've never heard... Such a lot of old nonsense and it's wrong because you know and I know why I started Kraken was because I believe that you have to have a boat that uh, is going to de-risk in every case and accidents out, out out there are going to happen. But as I've said before, put aside Kraken. You know, it's just wrong to tell people they're not taking a risk when they're sailing across oceans with twin rudders and blade hung rudders and all the rest of it just ridiculous because if you know if yeah okay we could say that 90 yachts in i think was 25 years the uh was it world sailing dick that gave you that it
1: was it was world sailing yes that's right we, we spoke to simon forbes the offshore technical uh, manager there yeah and even he said we don't know it's not a an exhaustive list because as you rightly say it was mostly racing boats uh, or all racing boats i believe he said there are others we don't know about because they haven't Crews haven't survived.
0: Well, that's it. Some, you know, sailors go missing. They don't, you mm. know, that's they've gone missing. They don't know why they've mm. gone missing necessarily. Mm. If you know, it's no black box generally, is no. there? No, you know. No. So- but I
1: mean that is essentially, Dick. Your point is, and you've always been very even-handed about the whole argument. You're not saying that all these boats with bolt on kills, twin rudders, are not fit for purpose. They are fit for purpose, but but they're not fit the, for the purpose of risk-free blue water sailing that's what they're not. That's the for.
0: whole argument. And to tell yeah. people to tell people that 90 boats um that whose keels come off often with a loss of life uh Indeed. is inconsequential when assessing yeah. a boat to go off and sail around the world with your family and friends yeah. to say that's oh yeah well that's just you know all hot air yeah yeah a few keels yeah. come off that's just unbelievable, but it is Andy Shell's. It is Andy Shell's position. He's an experienced yachtsman. He is, yes, you yes, know. of course.
1: Um, but, but it uh, is irresponsible. I think he's just. I don't know. I don't, it, it seems very odd to me why anyone would want to sort of come out with that. Uh, but there you go. Yeah,
0: I'll give you the answer to that, Dick. It's cog. The phrase is cognitive dissonance, and okay. it's, it was was thrown over to me by actually a listener. Um, to us, um, when I was talking, when we were talking about it, something before we got a comment come in, and cognitive dissonance, uh, dissonance, I should say, means the defence, uh, defence of something you are already invested in. So, in other words, and the truth of the matter is, Andy Shell's uh, got a swan with a blade hung rudder and a bolt on kill. So, yeah, he's going to defend it to the end of the earth, but it ain't going to stick and it ain't going to work because it's not right. No. Anyhow, that's As right. you can see, yeah. that got my it did get my hackles up. I, I I tell you what, I will I'm gonna do, Dick. I am gonna throw the gauntlet down. I'll throw it down now, and I, I'd like to invite uh, Andy Schell, uh onto our podcast, and uh, 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 and he can try and defend uh, what I figure is the indefensible.
1: Fair enough. Well, why not? Will there be a deathly silence? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, perhaps there will. Yeah. Um, but or anyway, uh, having said yeah. that, was uh, the, the, I really, you know, enjoyed doing the podcast with uh, yeah. Adam and Kiara? And uh, yeah, we have got part two coming up next, not far off. We'll try and get that That's out good. quite soon, eh?
1: And I and I guess in part two, uh, Adam and Kiara haven't ch- changed their minds since speaking to Andy Shell.
0: No, actually, Dick, we <laughs> the the Andy Shell thing was quite recent. I did. Oh, that sorry. In, okay. Yeah, I did right. this. Um, the in the I did the podcast with uh, Adam and Kiara a good few weeks ago. Oh right, and okay. it was only it's only how crazy busy uh, cracking got. Um, yeah, that obviously sl- uh, slowed us down from getting it out. So I th- I think this is a couple of three weeks ago. The Andy show. Oh right, uh, okay. You know yeah. we're we're publicising it, and uh, yeah,
1: um,
0: you know I think uh, at least he might uh, accept that. Uh, uh, all publicity is good publicity, but you might not necessarily view. agree how uh, no. uh, well, I'm describing it. But anyway, oh, That okay. that'll have to be tough, won't it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. Yep, yeah, we shall see. We 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 wait with bated breath. We wait with breath. yes. There's the invitation, Andy.
1: Yeah, you've thrown down the sailing mitten. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, that's uh, right. that's about all from us. We we're right. desper- Just just like to say, you know, listeners, we we desperately um, sorry for all of the delays in getting these out. It's all my fault or Kraken's fault, really. Um, but we will catch up, and Dick and I do enjoy doing them. Uh, <coughs> and, and we've got lots more subjects lined up.
1: We have indeed. Victim of your own success, Dick, <laughs> by the sounds of it. Yeah,
0: well, there you go. Let's hope so.
1: <laughs> so after the part two of um, Adam and Kiara, we've got, of course, uh, Brian Troutman of Delos, the Project Delos, really nice guy. I've spoken to him before. We interviewed him for the magazine. He's coming on to do a podcast. And I'm looking forward very much to that because he's a uh, a balanced, well-balanced man, very philosophical outlook on life, great sailor, uh very modest, uh but very uh articulate. So that'll be good. Yeah, he is. We
0: are going to do with we we're going to do with him um the psychology of crews at sea on passage. And it's a subject I absolutely love. I must tell you I, I've had so you know, I, I think it's such an interesting subject. Um and, and there is a significant psychological effect uh on crew when they're out there on that big ocean with a big no sky question. over their head. And uh I, I, we had a lot of uh, we will ha- we'll have a lot of fun uh doing that interview it'd be yeah, interesting, brilliant. very interesting, I'm very
1: proud. good. Very good man to do it with. The strange thing is um I, I was considering the American sailors uh, for, an, uh, for an article I wrote some while ago over the UK chaps, and they're very open um, American sailors. They're very, they're very kind of candid. Um, they they open up about they open their hearts up about mistakes they've made. And I really admire that. Yeah, That's they do. actually. UK You're guys right don't do so quite so much.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know, you get people. Yeah. <laughs> good old Brits don't want to give anything away, perhaps, but
1: no, um, maybe
0: you know. Yeah, when when you're right, actually, I'd not thought of that, Dick. But it, no. the, you know, if they make a mistake and, and go aground, or you know, make a, some sort of a significant decision error, um, instead of uh, trying to kind of sweep it under the carpet like as we do in Brit, uh, the yeah, Brits, but they actually put it out there and uh, and let everybody learn from it. It's not a bad <laughs> they do. thing. They-
1: no not at all they embrace it and uh, because they know that that these things happen you know worse things happen at sea as they say and of course quite often they do and you've got to get out of it those yeah. problems
0: well, yeah true enough well anyway um I, I i think we should close the podcast now because the crooked billet beckons doesn't it dick I mean, well, we're well, off
1: for a beer indeed. eh they got a christmas tree twinkling outside uh, so i think we should go inside and Listen to the <laughs> Not just the tinkling of the, uh, the bell opening But perhaps Santa's on the roof um, Okay well let's go then Well as I, I was just going A bit of a payoff line for you Dick I know you quite like to <laughs> Hear me come up with this I, I was just going to say that So, that, so the bolt on keel of fate Has hit the container of destiny uh, And that was the end of that particular boat But the good news is All the crew have been brought ashore In time for Christmas Thank you <laughs>
0: more and more tenuous I think you'll <laughs> sink with that one Dick yeah, I think
1: you <laughs> could be right
0: <laughs> okay goodnight everybody bye bye